welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Good morning. Good morning if you're listening to this in the morning. It's morning for us, about 4 a.m., and I'm joined by the international man of mystery, John Parklow. Morning, dude. Want to top up? Yeah, that'd be great. Well, we're officially the last two men standing <laughs> in the, the Iowa non-resident hunting season, season two, and what do you think? <laughs> the birds aren't as easy as they always I think I got my butt kicked this yeah week. man not just me but yeah several of us I mean I guess we went it, for those we were we were a little bit um behind on posting things but we were having a good time and trickling out a little bit of stuff but uh a couple guys got in late because of those storms so you and Andy both had a late start. We had some, we had action the very first two days. All the scouting was like perfect, and uh, had opportunities the first couple days. A couple guys tagged out, and then, um, then it just really got difficult. Yesterday we pulled what some people would say it would be a insane day in the turkey blind yeah if we were antelope hunting it probably wouldn't be so bad but <laughs> most people don't pull 13 hours in a turkey blind <laughs> <laughs> completely unprepared i might add <laughs> yeah yeah which is not how you normally roll which kind of made it that much funnier mm-hmm. that we, i'm just like just keep pushing like i can tell a, a bird's gotta come by yeah it's gotta come by yeah, and I remember uh, we ended up seeing those jakes that that you saw. That goes back to the saying, man, never pass something up on day one that you'd shoot on the last yeah, day. Yeah, I had one opportunity, or maybe a series, but it was a group of five jakes, and it was tempting to shoot one off the bedded hen. Yep. But it's like whatever morning of day two, and you've already seen a gobbler, and Oh yeah, you had but, a lot. Of, you you had a lot of gobbler action. Honestly, yesterday we had a lot of gobbler action. Yeah, and it was really cool to observe. I hadn't ever got a chance to observe them very much. So, yeah, they were. We had strutters around us probably three or four times yesterday, but uh, the dang things would. They weren't coming to the decoys at all. They were coming to the location. So, you know, for those of you who've listened, and I talk about using trail cameras for scouting tools to like know areas where turkeys are i really believe in that and we were in the locations we needed to be but when the birds just were super hand up you know they were they were with one hand that was like left to be bred and they just followed her all over the place and there was no reason to break off the one time uh one of the strutters started chasing another gobbler off. They were both equally big. 
started chasing him off and I'm like, dude, he's going to come right by the blind. And we didn't have that window open, the side window. And he came 12 yards from, I mean, you a hundred percent could have shot him, but we didn't have that window open. Yeah. And the, if I would have opened it, we would have been transparent because the window behind us essentially at that point would have been the one that we were trying to, where we had our decoys presented. So we would have, any movement we would have been kind of just like a clear silhouette on a horizon. So we ended up having to lower the one window down, open the other window down up, like while the two of them were jacking around. And by then they had, well, you had, you had some shot opportunities, but they were just too, they were just low percentage, super low. Yeah. Well, I don't and know. When you got Maybe two big, for you, they're not. But. When you got two big toms out there, you're just, you're just like, there's no way they're not going to come into this decoy setup. They right? went everywhere in that whole Every field. But. Yeah, button and butt. <laughs> but where we, where we could have had a real clean, easy shot. Well, I guarantee if we'd be back there this morning, before we left yesterday, we'd have walked that hay bale blind into that cedar tree. Yep. And, and we'd have a dead bird this morning. Yeah. I, I just think that if if we'd have done that a few days ago, I mean, you didn't hunt that field before, but Actually, if we'd have moved that one blind. That's the field I need to just get on my chair. Because I'm, save, yeah. I'm saving for my second archery tag. No, that's to, an interesting thing you're trying to do. And I'm gonna, that would yeah. be a good one to do it in. Yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to try what Slinker told me. Um, but my first turkey, I was actually with, the belt winner, Wesley West. Congratulations, Wes. Congratulations, Wes. You deserve it, dude. And um, I didn't even take my bow. I haven't had my... I actually need to get my bow shooting, which is probably today's assignment, so I can go out. Um, but yeah, it was it was a borrow your bow and shoot my bird type situation. <laughs> I'll let you talk, because I'm going to have a coughing fit again. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, what what he did and what he so casually kind of passes over, um, most of us would think are pretty incredible uh, feats of archery, but Wes goes ahead and shoots his bird and makes a beautiful shot, and uh, everything kind of scatters and settles down, and John doesn't have his bow, but birds come back. He says, yeah, hey, Wes, uh, l- let me see your bow. I guess you've set Wes's bow up, so at some level you're somewhat yeah. intimate with how it sets up. Yeah, I built it. And you so. draw back, and, I mean, it's all on video, and you absolutely ace this <laughs> second gobbler that had a Long double beard, yeah. super cool bird. It was a pretty pretty good little poke, too. And you, and you wander back into camp, like, so casually, like, oh, yeah, shot a double. Yeah, I didn't even use my bow. Used Wes's. <laughs> it's like, dude, some of us can't even use our own bows. <laughs> Yeah, well, you were trying to sh- shoot your bird with the too smooth. I was, yeah, I was, th- I was really wanting something to come in just from that aspect because you're at, you kind of took the next step. You, well, you since our last me. podcast, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my 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 new goal, and I would like it to happen before elk season, but if it's not till elk season, then so be it. But the next animal I kill. Um, is going to be with the too smooth. Yep. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> obviously most people who've listened um, know I committed to the silverback a long time ago, and I certainly have not given up on it. But this winter I spent the last three months just learning how to shoot the too smooth. And I'm certainly not saying I'm an expert at it, but, you know, just rep after rep after rep. And 
I mean, I just love that release. And I mean, at a certain point, you just don't even think twice about shooting it. Yeah. Um, week before I came out here, I just shot the knock to it just to <clears throat> try something different. Just you know, get some I didn't reps even know in. You had one. What a knock to it. Yeah. Yeah, Preston actually sent me one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, maybe I shouldn't say that because maybe Preston doesn't have one now. But, <laughs> um, and I don't shoot it very much, but but anyways, uh, yeah, just committed to that for for three months and <clears throat> got that ingrained in my brain. I'm like, I I know I can kill a, an animal with this. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt, and you're you're so accurate. But I would say. Like, interestingly enough, sitting in the blind for those four or five days, you know, having birds come in, kind of getting ready, going through my mental process. Um, I'd say, for me anyways, you really have to be confident with it and know that you've got your shit together. Because, you know, if you come back at full draw, especially in a blind, right, you have very limited space and you even have another person in there, in my case, and that bird happens to, like, not present or come to a different window and you have to let down like you have to have a real master i think of that release to to want to hunt with it yeah but you know we were talking i mean almost zero left rights mm-hmm. shooting that thing and i don't know i just uh that's just the next challenge i wanted to set for myself you 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 kind of set the bar and said well if you can shoot the silverback now you need to shoot the two smooth so we went yeah. down that road and i'm like well the next thing is to try to hunt with it and it won't be something i hunt with all the time but well, yeah, I, th- I just think um, it does something for your confidence level, for one. Uh, you know, at least for me, when I when I really do something, I I do strive to get closer to having what I think is like a perfect round, or you know, just like with golf, if you could ever go out and birdie every hole, you'd be like, wow, today, like you know, I mastered this or whatever. Um, but being able to pick up multiple styles of releases and execute really good shots or essentially, um, if you're able to be the same level of shooter with no matter what is in your hand, whether it be someone, you know, if their bow fits you like someone else's bow or, you know, a release just to be able to, to grab it and have your effort be the same all the time with with very very similar results i feel like that's one of the signs of people who have really come close if not mastered something <clears throat> and you know it's i i think with the hinge in a way yeah it's different because you have to know how the the release the works mechanics the mechanics but once you understand the mechanics, it's really not any different than remembering to put your finger on a safety of a silverback yeah. when you draw it back or let it forward. And it's it's the same as not like having your thumb thumb near a too smooth when you're drawing it back. And you know it's the same as pulling back a wrist strap release with you know learning to put your finger behind the trigger. Um, it's essentially the same thing as long as you know your weight needs to be only on your index finger going forward or back, Mm -hmm. then it's not a lot different than knowing that your thumb pressure needs to be down going forward or back with the silverback. And, you know, once you do that, man, can it make a difference? I've got, come over here, look at this. I just, Barclay's in my personal man cave. (laughs) Wow, you got a... 
Yeah. I just opened. I ten, just opened. 10x more releases than I did. I just opened my release drawer. So it's, it's like the uh, the last 30 years of history of releases in let me show two you. drawers. Yeah, let me show you here. That's not the first one because that hook's a little different right here. That's that's the release right there. That oh wow, that's the original one. That's the original hinge that no kidding. that cured my target panic. Wow, back in the day, this thing's so archaic looking, right? But I mean, the mechanics are all there. Yeah. So essentially, um, and I just opened a release drawer for those listening. I'm showing Barklow the releases. I'm taking a picture of it from my buddy. Yeah, and then it's like. It's almost like seeing sauce. I can tell by the, I can, <laughs> I can tell by the hooks, uh, which ones are which. But I think that's the one Ulmer gave me. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the one Ulmer gave me. And then, over the years, I added more to my repertoire. But uh, <laughs> so all of these would be that would all be my release pouch wow so you have they would all be five of the uh, identical identical hinge releases and then you've talked about they'd all they're be all set, set, set a little different mm -hmm. so you know you i you, never you had keep, to uh, <laughs> uh i never had to have any that were set where they would not go off mm -hmm. but um I don't know. Isn't it crazy? I mean, you look at this, the simplicity of that device. Mm -hmm. How it, like, changed. I mean, I don't want to be conceited, but in 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 a form or another, it changed archery. Because, obviously, if I would have went through my whole shooting career punching a trigger and having highs and having massive lows... There's no way I would have had the credibility, you know. I would have never built a credibility to where if I, if I had the same exact message I had now, but had really poor form, no one would mm -hmm. listen. I mean, not to mention I wouldn't even had got away from that, so I wouldn't even be teaching the same thing I'm teaching at all. But it's like to look at that right there. Everything that I've taught the entire, anyone who's ever listened to a knock-on podcast or everyone that's out there that's done the school knock, I mean, that release right there is, is what kind of changed. You know, they say in design that, you know, you know you've achieved, I don't want to say mastery, but, you know, you've, you've, you've gotten to where the product needs to get when there's nothing else to remove. And this is literally like one of the epitomes of clean, simple, elegant design, you know, oh, I've yeah. ever seen. It's like, it's, it's, uh, just for the folks listening, it's just, it's not, it doesn't even look half as complicated as, um, the, uh, the too smooth. Nope. Cause there's, you know, obviously there's no, there's no clicker on that, right? Yep. Correct. You know, that, <clears throat> so that's a funny thing. <laughs> I was shooting the other day. Uh, do you have the click or not? Inside. Well, that's what I'm going to talk about. So, yeah, I do. And uh, so I was going to shoot. I was shooting inside with a couple guys early morning. And 
I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to tune the click out of this. I mean, I figured it didn't necessarily matter for a turkey, but I'm like, I'm going to tune the click out of this for bear season. And I'm shooting the guys like, I don't hear a click. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, there's a click. And he goes, bro, there's no click. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've got it set, I'd say pretty hot based on, you know, some of your mm-hmm. recommendations. Um, I can hear the click because it's literally right next to my ear. Mm-hmm. But apparently, like, you know, a guy standing on the line three f- feet from me can't quite hear it. So yeah. I don't have to go very much farther to tune the click out. Yeah, and I think a big reason why you hear it, too, is because you actually feel it mm. at, at the same time. But, yeah, I mean, you could, if if it was loud enough, there could be some, some catastrophes on the on the shooting line. Oh, for other people. Oh, yeah. 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 If you ever (laughs) never thought about that, if you ever want to jack someone up, (laughs) like if you walk by a recurve archer when they're at full draw, if you like take an arrow and just barely touch touch their bottom limb, like go around their leg, (laughs) just touch their bottom limb, or it's like click, they think that they're clickers hitting, and they'll just let go of the string and just shoot through their clicker. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's. Let's not tell If there was a bunch of. If there was like a loud click there could potentially be people on the shooting line that are shooting clickers that would just like cause the double clutch yeah yes well you know the i've heard you and randy talk about it um quite a few times now about multiple releases set differently and um for the knock on nation just understand i'm not going to buy any more silverbacks but uh so everybody else can get some because I am a bit of a fanatic, but uh, well, but I am going to get a couple more two got, smooths. I gave you some some. Oh, you want to talk about that? Yeah. You can. I mean, you're sometimes friends have benefits. I don't know. I don't want anybody breaking into my archery shop and taking my two custom okay. silverbacks and Sitka burnt orange. Yeah, well, they're pretty awesome. If they did take them, then you know who's asked to beat exactly. To fight. Yeah. But you know, so I've got. Um, so I've, sh- you know, I've sh- I can do that with silverbacks, where I can pull one out, I can shoot it, I can shoot it, and uh, so now I'm gonna, I want to do that with the two smooth, because to me it's just like that next level up, and if there is a little click, if there's not, and um, so I that'll that'll be that'll this. be fun to play with. I'm gonna stretch out. So yeah. Did you see this over here? Well, I did. I just didn't grab it. That's gonna be a prize for the total archery challenge. Oh, really? Yep. I don't know yet what's going to decide how or who can win it, but uh, it's a golden silverback. It's beautiful. There's two of them. It almost brings a tear to my eye to look at it. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. A golden silverback. So... I don't know if I'm going to have... Whoever gets that, they'll know if somebody steals that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be more... That's an awesome... That right there is an awesome prize. Yeah, yeah. I got two that are I had done, and there there'll be one given away at Salt Lake, one at Big Sky. Nice. But I'm debating either having um, a target made, like a a big silverback target, uh-huh. and then have like you know a shot at a certain distance, and whoever hits it goes into a kind of goes into a prize. I've also kind of wondered if i shouldn't have uh joe rogan's werewolf duplicated for uh mm. for a target 
That could be pretty fun. That could be. To have the American werewolf for just one novelty Because nobody's target. probably ever shot that target. Well, the name of this is actually, that's, I have to give credit to Rogan. Oh, really? Yeah, the very first one Rogan has. The first one. Oh, I didn't know that. The very first one I made. Uh-huh. Um, I made it. I was shooting it. I, I showed it to Joe, and he's like, dude, you have to make these. And I said, I just don't know if I can, you know. Sell them? Well, I I just told him, I said, I don't know if, if I can get people to shoot tension-based releases, mm-hmm. like, in, in mass quantities. And he's like dude he goes i love because i had him shooting um i had him shooting an evolution at that time yeah yeah and so i told him like you know the hooks changed i said it's two fingers so you know once i started showing him and you know he saw his groups change because he wasn't putting pressure he wasn't like changing rocker pressure and stuff on the release um and the very first one was raw it it came out of a CNC machine. It literally went into a tumbler, and then it was it was raw. So, well, here's like the very this, so this mm-hmm. release I just pulled out. This is like 15 years old. That's a an evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's an like OG. that's like one of the, yeah. That's one of the very first ones. Um, when Jerry was making it, I said I wanted it as a two finger, mm-hmm. and. They just said two finger releases will never sell. And but I showed Joe, but see how it's just polished. If yeah. you shoot this enough, it turns your fingers. It'll turn your fingers black. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had one of the silverbacks, and Joe and I were um, shooting, and he just he said, I said it's. He goes, why is it that color? And I said, well, it doesn't have any anodizing on it. It's just polished aluminum, and. I said, well, what do you want to call it? He's like, calling it the silverback. <laughs> and so that was it. Um, yeah, so it could be kind of cool to, to do a uh, a Joe Rogan werewolf for a novelty shoot. But I kind of think it'd be fun wherever we're all, like, hanging out or if we have an area where maybe we congregate as people finish up um, on the mountain. Some of that's unclear yet because – we have to abide by kind of the limitations of what the ski hill lets us do or not do for like where we have our little powwows. So we may have to shoot the course and then, you know, we may set up kind of camp, so to speak a little, you know, maybe it's a mile away or something, but you know, it's going to allow us to, to have more of a, more of a block party. I mean, yeah. honestly, yeah. you know, which is kind of like really visit, like, like literally you and Andy, like literally circle the wagons and yeah. Yeah. We've got several, dump the tailgates we've got several people that are already bringing wagons. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to circle, circle the wagons, drop tailgates. And, um, I think I'm going to try to find a time where I do like a free seminar, you know, not, I mean, I shouldn't say free seminar, but we definitely can do a, a live podcast with all of us there, uh, where people can can uh, ask questions from the crowd. But I just want to be at everyone's disposal. I mean, the mm-hmm. the the whole point of this um, this event is just just customer appreciation. I mean, you know, I think Sika's Sika's seen 
I mean, you guys have seen it, the amount of people that follow the podcast and kind of follow what we're doing and really respond to um, anytime we can give information and people know how to do it. I mean, you you changed my life 100% by giving me knowledge on how to layer properly and like how to, honestly, even my packing when I go places now, I feel like I can travel so much more efficient, mm. you know, I just, uh, I kind of know exactly this, the setups I need. And then now I'm almost like if, if all of a sudden it gets colder than I expect, if I put one, two, three, four, five all together, will I be, and it's like, if I'm, if I'm warm enough at the end of that, yeah, I'll, I'm fine. I don't need to have something that is a five. Oh yeah, on right. its own. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You have a si- it, it's a systems based approach. Yeah, so that that works really good. I, I I'm, I'm really looking forward to that event. It's gonna be we're gonna iron the <coughs> iron the details out closer to the time. It just seems like at least in your and I's world, the more you try to plan something perfectly this far out little things will change you know yeah sean will call and say hey we're gonna you know i got a cool spot now where we can move you guys over here that and some logistics will change so um or something will come up where maybe you know we do something on one of the days where we get you know where i get asked to do something to where it would change our schedule so well whoever signed up you're going to be happy yeah i mean it's it's tough to make those TAC events, Total Archery Challenge events, you know, better than they are, but this will absolutely do it. You know, you were able to add another course, or Sean was, and which is incredible, right? Because yeah. how many peop- more people did you say were able to shoot? Just some astronomical number, yeah. like 800 or... Yeah, and then I haven't I haven't posted it yet, but I've got the course layout. I was going to mm-hmm. show you, too, because uh, here's the... My course is the yellow one. Oh, nice. So I think it's going to be a really cool course. And it's at Park City. Yep. Yeah. I mean, straight up the gut or straight <laughs> down it. Yeah. Yep. That's be, amazing. It'll how be fun. big those events are growing. Yeah, um, it'll be fun. <clears throat> but, you know, I want to circle back to these, uh, not necessarily the Silverbacks, but these releases, just because I was going to say something, and you mentioned it, and we just kind of passed over it. But two years ago, well, whenever, roughly two years ago, maybe more, um, when I started shooting these. Actually, it was even before I was shooting um, some Carter Ember 2s. Yeah. And uh, they were, so I was shooting with four fingers. Okay. And then looking at these and listening to these, you know, say, well, you you know, if you can shoot with two, that'd be great. So then I took the little pinky thing off, so yep. then I'm shooting three. And I felt I had to do that when I first started. Mm-hmm. You know, I was self teaching myself before you know you kind of came on the scene with the knock-on and because I felt like I needed that to like kind of rotate mm-hmm. maybe my my uh, elbow down or yeah. shoulder or wrist to kind of get this back tension thing to go anyways and then I started shooting that ember just with two fingers even mm-hmm. though I could use three my point is you know so many people when they start they're just like I gotta have my whole fist my whole paw on mm-hmm. this release and I mean, really, it's gotten to the point where most people don't even talk about, like, that we're all shooting with two fingers now. And it's it's pretty amazing. Like, the two-finger revolution, so to speak, is here. And then when you're shooting the two smooth, 
I mean, really, for all intents and purposes, you're shooting a lot. You're almost shooting with one and a half because you're only using that second one depending on how you manipulate the release. But We're going through this, like, archive drill. Yeah. Here. But it's pretty amazing how, you know, it, it's in two years, like, and maybe you're getting more questions, obviously, but nobody's even questioning that anymore. And no. People are just shooting two fingers like it's... Like it, like we've always done it, and we haven't always done that. Well, with <laughs> what's funny is when I went to uh, to get the knock to its made, they told me that if oh, I this is an old ember, I gotta take a picture of this. <laughs> <laughs> they told me if I ordered as many two finger, if that I ordered as many knock to its as what they had ever sold for two finger releases, that they would do it like. Because they really did not want to do it, and I, I'm like Jerry, please, you know. Well, you really took a chance then. On yeah, that. so I took a I took a big chance, and then uh, obviously the response has been awesome, and I feel like definitely changed the game. But uh, yeah, I'm showing Barclow some of these, some of the releases that we've kind of worked on over the years. It's vast. A lot of people, you know. To describe why I do certain things, it would take longer to tell you why I decided to do things the way I did versus just tell you to try it. And if you like <laughs> it, then then cool. Um, no, but you're you're right. A lot of people they want to grab. You know, they want to grab. They want to like. I don't know. For it seems like twisting that release or like bending the pinky around. People try to do that, or people try to bury that bury the trigger like deep into their thumb um it's pretty i was going through um i was going through photos for the first two days of um that dakota archery challenge or whatever they i don't know what they call it now they changed the name but um it was an nfa event this past weekend and i went on to bow junkies galleries and i was just going through and looking at people shooting the amount of people that have, I would say, technique that's 7 out of 10 or better is just vast. Even throughout, I mean, I'm talking from juniors all the way up. It's really, really cool to look at how many people are really just a few puzzle pieces away from technique-wise being as efficient as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, you know, score-wise or mentally or, you know, being able to execute yeah. or, or even both. You know, that's the thing. If people mentally don't, if they're mentally lacking, that's something that has to be built on. It's like no different than building your technique. It's something that, you know, different people find that different ways. But then there's also the, the mechanical side, um, which is your bow setup and some of the setups that I saw right away I'm looking and I, and I was thinking man you know maybe they can make that work in the backyard maybe it's <laughs> they shoot great and they're super comfortable with it but these are like problematic areas to where maybe you make it work a lot but when it comes to pressure situations notoriously at some point or another those those flaws come out because of this type of a setup. It, does that make sense? Mm, yep. I mean, in, yep. in the military, did they have things where they're like, yeah, 
this might work really cool for you guys when we're in training, but you know, when the shit hits the fan, you know, we just, this stuff isn't like as dependable. Yeah. You have to train for the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. It's why like you use, you know, gross motor function type, uh, movements. Mm -hmm. It's not because you need them necessarily in training when there's no pressure, but when you're mind starts to go like gross motor function is what you can count on and rely on so that's what you train to so yeah if you can have some super refinement in your garage doesn't mean you're going to do it when you're on the line shooting for money or a trophy or you know anything like that yeah um yeah and i i relate to it is there's times where i'm shooting um well the other day someone asked me someone kind of sent a personal request and asked if i could if they could have one of my targets signed i don't know if you saw that target i think that was at maybe it was at work so i went to shoot it and it, it like took me like three or four days to where i could shoot a target where i was comfortable like okay this this target looks pretty good uh-huh. because you know being there and being in you know being in your zone having some music going you know kind of getting in that flow state and then all of a sudden you can shoot enough to where you can put together like a really nice target be like okay here this was a super clean round me knowing that that d- didn't happen like every time i flip the light switch on mm-hmm. means that you know there's certain aspects in this case it's me um because i haven't changed much with my equipment but there's certain aspects that are not going to produce if i'm at a seven out of ten and you want to get to the point where your equipment for sure your equipment is a 10 out of 10 all the time because when you're when your mind's at an eight you're still averaging a nine out of you're still averaging mm-hmm. the 90 percentile mm-hmm. you know if your bow's a 10 and your uh your mind's at a nine but then all of a sudden your your techniques at a at an eight you're still in a 92 percentile average I call it an archery trifecta. When I do my seminars, I normally show this, depending on which uh, like presentation I'm given. But I just talk about the, that. There's three aspects to to archery. There's the mechanical, the mental, and the physical. And those are all they're all different. The physical kind of breaks down into different areas, including like physical preparation and your training, but also technique is in the physical category and mm-hmm. the mechanical category. There's bow builds, arrow builds, and, you know, when those are matched perfectly and you can stamp a 10 out of 10 on those, then they immediately raise your average in other areas. Um, And then on the mindset, that one is the one that notoriously fluctuates at events. And because it's a variable, a changing variable, you really need those other two Mm -hmm. to be sustainable Mm -hmm. so that your average... stays high and when two out of three of those puzzle pieces aren't really up to par um it becomes problematic to to win events you know and and sometimes sometimes you go to an event and and if you you know i look back and part of the reason why part of the reason why in a way competitive archery seems a little kind of fickle to me now and i don't want to you know i totally appreciate target archery 
you know, and I, I, there's people out there that, you know, they, them going to that event was so, you know, that's, that's what they trained for. That's kind of what their purpose is now. I get that. But I also get to the point or got to the point where some of the events that I won, I wasn't even at my best. I just was not as bad as other guys (laughs) that were having bad days. We used to say it's not that we're so good. It's that everybody else is so bad. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it it was. Uh, I I feel that way. I I remember some specific events where I'm, where I knew there was there was an event that I won one time where I I know that I ended my last two targets punching the trigger and it. I just like I I just I actually threw the trophy away. <laughs> and it was like a it was a first place plaque for an ASA and I just threw it in the garbage can because that's what I remember <laughs> mm-hmm. like it came down to the last two targets and I knew what I needed to do to do it and then like you know I freaking got on the trigger and I was like come on man you know that was lucky that you got away with that you won but you knew you didn't execute well yeah, yeah. and then the next and then I did it on the next target and then right away I'm like and funny enough it was a tar it was a tournament where I had thought that I was I didn't need to shoot a hinge anymore. That, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it was. It was mm-hmm. like, man, I'm, I've shot this hinge for three years. I don't need to shoot this thing anymore. I can shoot whatever I want. And then all of a sudden, I show up to the first tournament with the trigger, and it feels so good. And next thing you know, here I am. I'm like in striking distance, and then, bam. That that yeah. trigger's attempting. Yeah, I freaking jump yeah. on it. And to me, I'm like, dude. That's like, you know, that's like not drinking for five years and all of a sudden someone just being like, dude, it's one shot, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and in the right time, you know, and that could have triggered, that could have back, that could have backslid for years if I would have just been like, hey, I won shooting this way. I'm going to shoot this way the next weekend. I, I went, I honestly went and just got rid of all those triggers and just said i gotta go you know i'm just gonna start getting right back to my hinge yeah well let me let me uh, uh let me provide an update I've, I've talked about these two friends aaron and cody i'll save their last names one to protect the innocent and two because i'm sure i'll get some details wrong inevitably and they'll yell at me but um <clears throat> but so cody you know was the one that i got shooting the um the 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 back tension the silver back you know and uh but begrudgingly uh, i mean this was a guy three years ago he was shooting an 80 pound like carbon matrix with fingers no no uh no peep no stabilizers nothing and now he's shooting an rx3 you know he had an rx1 he's shooting an rx3 he's shooting tension activator releases hinge releases he's finally got a peep he's got some stabilizers so um, there was two, two indoor 3d leagues this year and he shot one with a hinge and one with, um, he calls it a wrist rocket, right? But, <laughs> and I won't mention the release cause it's, it's horrible. And I tell him if I ever see it laying around, I'm going to pick it up and throw it away. But, um, but he wanted to do it one to see if he, you know, one to see what the score would be between the two releases and one to see if he could do it mentally. Yeah. And he won the. He won the um, the league where he shot the hinge. I believe he came second, second or third in the league that he shot with the wrist rocket, <laughs> right? And uh, and he's like, I, I was like, why do you do that? 
like why are you even using it and i think he'll eventually wean off of it but he's still like it's that tempting mistress it's like yeah. dude i just i feel so good when i'm using it and it's like you have all the control exactly and it's <laughs> like but you don't but but he's come so far so quick uh and then my buddy aaron i was telling you and I, i'm sure i'll get a little bit of this wrong but um you know he had he had target panic uh several years ago maybe more than five or six now but um and worked through it and he's always been an excellent shot on animals but he's like you know what i want to try the target archery thing again and last year he took like i think i told you maybe third unmarked 3d and then won his class in spots or something so Mm -hmm. this year he's like and i don't know target archery very well actually i don't know it at all but it's like a regional thing where it's like multi-state yeah and i asked you the other day i'm like god are people shooting like have people always shot this good and and basically he shot a 599 with a super high x count on a five spot face Mm -hmm. and uh and took fifth and you know that and these are not professionals and the guy who won it basically shot like a completely clean round yeah and and like it just came down to x count it was a 600 and then it was like either you had 60 x's or 59 i'm like my god like was it like this 10 or 20 years ago because that seems like a really high bar yeah for for people that are not doing this professionally well there was a time where if you shot that you'd be one men's pro it's like holy cow someone's you know yeah. Back when Terry Ragsdale would shoot a 60x300, people would be like, you know, holy crap, this guy is unstoppable. And, and now you said that'll get you to the shoot-off <laughs> yeah. if you shoot perfect. Yeah, that gets you into a whole nother shoot practically. I mean, because then the shoot-off sometimes just continually goes further and further. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I mean, I was watching hashtags during Vegas. There were several knock-on nation guys that were – posting their first 300s at vegas and you know and then back-to-back 300s and a lot of people just shooting so much better the amount of first ever 300s or personal best that i see in in our hashtags is just super high i mean it's it's really neat to see and you know i think once you learn to control your nerves in those settings where you're kind of around your local peers it really does start to become a very very similar feeling to when that buck that you've been seeing on trail camera finally steps out you know you you kind of get into that role where just like you did yesterday when those turkeys came on i'm like all right dude get ready they're coming and i'd turn and you would almost slow down because mm-hmm. you're, you know, you would go into your, che- you know, your checklist and you're, you're trying to make sure that the execution of the shot would be correct. You know, you weren't in the moment of, you know, how big is he? How big is his spurs? Yeah. You were just like, okay, um, let me get situated the correct way. My arrow's knocked perfect. I mean, you were kind of going through the steps to make sure the shot was right first and then let the other stuff take care of itself second. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Man, this this uh, lung action that Andy so graciously gave everyone is uh, very pleasant. <laughs> it's always nice to be like two weeks from spring and summer and you feel like there's a hundred gallons of sludge in your lungs. I know you did, uh, you know, your Insta story yesterday when we were in the blind and 
apparently I didn't know about what would you call it? What are the little things where I look like a woman and a cat and <laughs> have a dick on my forehead? And <laughs> I didn't do any dicks <laughs> on your forehead. That but, was uh, face paint. But what the people didn't They're know. They're filters, Barklow. But what the people didn't know. and uh, But the smell in that blind at the end of 13 hours <laughs> and the loogie stuck to the walls and we couldn't, oh, we couldn't quite. We kind of missed <laughs> spitting out the window. I and hope. I hope uh, oh, it's a dis- hope, uh, yeah. that redneck blind was it was a disaster. Well, we like this that. stuff that we have in our in our <laughs> respiratory system right now is has the equivalent of five minute epoxy at like minute four. <laughs> so it all started with I was trying my best <laughs> to like not sling any loogies. You 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 spit one out that. You sp- the very first one you spat out. I mean, the force you had, it went dead center out the window, and I thought it was going to hit the decoy. <laughs> that f- one that you launched out, yeah. that lung cookie, and then I thought, "Damn, man, that was pretty sweet." So then, I think you had your confidence built up. Yeah, like I, I got a hold good. of this. So then, about an hour later, you freaking horked up another one to launch out when when the coast was clear and it could not have centered that window anymore it was a 10 grain difference in that loogie yeah that in the first night i shot high and just <laughs> smacked it and i was gonna kind of i kind of was playing it off because i was gonna wipe it off later you know when you weren't looking and you look at me with the eye and you're like dude where'd that go and i I'm like, heard it hit i was I'm like, like Right there, right on the center glass. Right yeah. on the center and glass. And then, and then from there, <laughs> even though we weren't trying to, it just the the more we were mentally spent, the it's almost like the worse our aim got. But yeah, we got up. We were up there. No hydration. No toilet paper. We no didn't bring snacks. We didn't. I don't think I even brought. Oh yeah, you brought a little coffee. I didn't bring any coffee. No toilet paper. No alcohol. Which don't try this at home, kids. But um, no alcohol in the blind, no water, no food. Nothing. I mean, we got in there. I'm thinking we're going to sit till noon, maybe, and this will be done. We'll kill a bird. It and then it's like we didn't even talk about it. Like noon rolled, next thing I know it's one. And I'm like, yeah, buddy. Like <laughs> we're, we're in this till dark <laughs> yep. or we kill something. Yeah. Once it turns, once it flips to one, it's like. And we had action really till three. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, like I guess you guys had some action in the in the afternoons, but but we were at the, the fly down area. Yeah. So the, down yeah, there, your, that's, your that's true. It's a different. Like, yeah, your actions. The where we were, it was kind of a. Um, they pitched where we were. Where Wes and I and uh, Andy kind of all had our luck. The birds pitched down. They normally take a little while to get to this area. <clears throat> And then they're there kind of mid-late morning. They feed off. And then they're really not back there until, you know, just prior to fly up. So it's kind of a it's kind of a unique area. You can have a, a good morning sip, but you can also exit out and then mm-hmm. come back for the evening. And they're kind of there before they head back up to the main ridge where they roost. Whereas where you and I were their roost was almost two ridges over Mm -hmm. so i i was i was honestly feeling like the opportunity for those turkeys to stage where we were at but have to make it 400 yards over is probably not going to happen but i was kind of banking on 
those bird like maybe there being some birds up in that area that didn't want to roost there but we're going to go back behind essentially us. across yeah. the road yeah uh to a kind of to i don't know if it's a wildlife refuge it is yeah. or um or like a it's a sanctuary is that yeah. pretty much what yeah. it is yeah. i didn't know if it was like public hunting or no if it no was that's apparently a couple miles farther okay but. yeah so that that was kind of how that played out and we we didn't didn't have the luck we wanted yesterday, but we had a lot of action, and I was, I don't know, I was pumped about it. It was fun. Yeah, it was a good day. We got to see full display, you know, the of the toms and stuff, so. And, and we saw some big birds. Oh, yeah. Some big birds. Uh, they were you, belt winners if I could have oh, put one down. Yeah, we. we, we it would have come down to ounces, I think. Not pounds. I was actually doing that. I was measuring the beard in my my mind. I looked at the spurs, and then which spurs really wouldn't have factored in much. But I, when he kept going out of strut, I was like, man, this body weight. Because mm-hmm. you're, I think your beard would have had Wesley's beard by an inch and a half. Because I was sitting there going, okay, his is eight and three quarters, and I'm thinking this thing's ten, ten and a half for sure. And then when he was going out of strut, I was sitting there. I was like, I don't know. It's like this one looks <laughs> like he's about 22, 23 pounds. This is going to come right down yeah, to the. Because yeah. in all in all fairness, Wesley's bird, his beard was like worn off mm. um, because he was strutting a lot. Yeah. But the body weight, it was a 25-pound bird. bird. Yeah. If you shoot a bird with that kind of weight, just the way that we score him, just beard longest spur body weight it he would have done pretty dang good yeah i mean honestly well you asked me about jay and um i haven't seen the bird but jay sent me a photo or posted on instagram but i mean he had a bird with a 12 inch beard yeah from kentucky yep well some of those some of those birds like the birds in missouri man they have the biggest beards Mm. i mean for whatever reason some birds are a little bit taller and their beards can get longer yeah we're getting close to roll time okay you're good though um their beards get a little longer and some of the ones like here where they're in these cornfields and stuff mm-hmm. i think they're dragging their beards oh, on a lot uh-huh. more stuff just because of natural uh terrain and they just don't get as long you and have then, much beard rot here huh we call the beard rot you ever seen that I've I've seen I've seen a lot of Miriams where their beards are just like picked apart. Yeah. Almost. Well, there was a I was hoping they would come back with these two toms. Well, we thought they were toms, and one was a big tom, clearly yeah. good beard. The other one was identical in size, shape, color, but his beard was like three or four inches long, and it it just it was thick, but it just stuck straight out. And I'm yeah. like, did it rot off? Did he like? Sometimes they pick fight. them off, yeah. Huh. Sometimes I've seen them pick them off, you know. I was going to shoot either one, <laughs> but <laughs> I knew I'd lose it in the beard length category. Well, the last thing we got to touch on is um, my phone battery died yesterday before yours because I was Googling. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, I think you talked me into are, it. Are we, are, we do, are we doing it? I think so. Yeah, Sharon said he's... This is a big deal, folks. About this is a big announcement right uh, now. Potentially, a, I don't know if you actually want to announce it or you just want to, you know, keep that to get, yourself. Get my glamour shot out there once once the moment. Well, I see a lot of, yeah, I see a lot of 
mutual posts if if you if you do it. This is a life changing experience. That's all I'm gonna say. I get, I went down the <laughs> the Google rabbit hole of a main coon, <laughs> which is Barclow's cat of choice, and I. Actually, I just type in MA and now my feed just comes up and there's just there's just majestic cats running towards me in, in my feed. But yeah, I started doing research on the Maine Coon and the Maine Coon is the largest domesticated cat breed. It has a distinctive physical appearance and valuable hunting skills. There you go. Boom. Yep. Low on shedding. Looks cool as a mofo. I might be a cat man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might have to. That would be my contribution to the Knock On Nation is to get you to be a cat owner. Dude, if I could get one of those big suckers to where he just comes in here and just lays up on oh, the. Oh, yeah. That's, on the, you seen Duke. Oh, yeah. yeah. Duke would be all up in this business. Oh, yeah. There'd be arrow shafts falling <laughs> off and until <laughs> he gets his tail stuck on some fletching glue on one of my bits and burger <laughs> clamps that, <laughs> that might yeah. be all over at that point but yeah i think um my only thing is the litter box i gotta i'm gonna look around this house and think of where i can make a cool little cool little dump station and then once i once i get the dump station figured out well th- then i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a hunt for a majestic if anyone out there is a cat breeder reach out because I want a Maine Coon, and the one that I like, it has the color accents of a silverback gorilla. Yeah. You'll, yeah. S- you'll see it in my Insta store. Well, <laughs> it might be gone, but yeah. They, uh, I don't know, they are cool cats. If you if you type in Maine Coon, at least for me on the Google, and then go to Images... There's some that are like clearly kind of look like a lynx with a big mane. If you got any like that, hit me up. I'm going to buy me a 15-pound cat. (laughs) Yeah. They look so cute. I want one of these suckers. But, all right, Barklow, we got to get you to the airport. All right, man. Everybody, uh, we're going to pick up as scheduled for... Uh, normal knock-on nation activities here coming up soon. I've been spending the last several weeks prepping to have these guys here um, doing doing homework. I've got a lot of bow builds coming up uh, over the next few weeks. Going to start uh, prepping, getting some outdoor bows built as well. And, yeah, we're going to go through that. We're going to talk about uh, some of the things on my billet are some bow builds, target builds, uh total archery challenge setups also i'm gonna do some stuff on how to properly pack for traveling with your bow and got some cool bow builds coming up so uh got a list back here some pretty cool names Mm -hmm. one of them i can't wait yeah it actually happens i don't even want to say it i know that'll be incredible it'll be so good for our industry yeah all right everybody knock on be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com